Oh, it is a great joy to announce this is our 100th episode of the Renovare Weekly Podcast. You know, I'm not really sure where the idea for this podcast came from. I suspect it has some roots in an old tradition at Renovare. When we do speaking, we try to always go with another person as a team. Now, there are many reasons for this, but one of my favorites is it gives space from the stage to interview the person who just spoke. It's great fun, helps unpack the talk, mixes things up a bit, and often unlocks amazing material. Trying to listen to each other, valuing what the other person has to say, it's a value at Renovare that we hold dear. And my hope is this podcast gives space to work some of that out. And here we are at the 100th episode. You know what I'm most grateful for with the podcast? I get to learn, and I get to invite you to join me along on the journey. And this has been great fun. Thank you. And who knows? Maybe we'll keep this up and string together another hundred. So Brian and I wanted to do something kind of fun with this episode. You may remember Brian Morricone. He's the Director of Communications and Special Projects at Renovare. In his work, he helps edit and engineer the sound for the podcast. Today, we thought we'd sit down and listen to a few clips from some of our favorite interviews and talk a little bit about them. My name is Nathan Foster, and this is the 100th episode of the Renovare Weekly Podcast. I really like the ones where you do just cut it in midway. And even when I end up doing my fake intro, you know, my fake starting point. But I had a good one for today. Okay, all right, go. Brian. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded less real. It did, okay. Hey, Brian. Hey, Nate. (laughs) We've done it. Uh? A hundred episodes. Yes. That's crazy. And we at least know somebody's downloading them. We don't. We don't know if anyone actually pushes play. No. It might just be streaming into the void of the podcast app. Well, I, I I will know. It's meant so much to me. The people that you know, emails or things, or when I traveling, meeting people that have made this podcast part of their weekly routine. Um, yeah, surprised me, but also kind of touching that yeah. uh, people found it helpful. What I absolutely love about getting to do these, I mean, there's a lot of things I, I like about it, but one is is we help to introduce people to a wider audience. Yeah. And and that something just feels so cool to me about saying, here's this person who's got something to say, who's a value, you know, or, you know, here's a person who has something to say, and um, we can introduce you to them, and you can, you know, learn about their work. Um, that just feels right to me. I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I get to ask you some questions, right? Sure, go for it. First, how do you choose your guests for the podcast? Let's start there. Oh, that's a tricky one. I mean, oftentimes it'll be um, a book I'm reading or something, someone who I've uh, encountered their work. A lot of the people are people I've met through the years who I, you know, know, respect. Uh, really what I'm wanting to do is help people tell their story. And if, if, if I can help to unlock some of the great gems that people hold, 
uh, then I feel like I feel like I've done well. But oftentimes that's just staying out of the way. Yeah, you know, if I can just throw a, a question or two to get people going, and then step back and and let them go. Yeah, cool stuff comes out, you know. And not just any people, not just anyone who's wrote a book on spirituality or spiritual formation. I mean, you've got a real sensitivity to people who are speaking from their heart, mm. speaking with authenticity. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, it's maybe, maybe, maybe the piece I'm looking for is heart, and it's kind of lived out. Um, and I, I find there's so much we can learn from people, whether they're of some notoriety or not. But there's just, you know, all of us who are journeying on this life with God, trying to learn and grow. I love hearing people's stories. Yeah, and you kind of love it when they're not known. Yeah, I do, and I've probably you know we've talked a little bit about this that um, you know there are people we know who do have some notoriety who we haven't had on the show, and you know we probably should. But I, I there's something I love about you know uh, having you know a person. Well, here's the ones I really like is when I ask someone to do a podcast and they give me this look or this response of like, why me? Yeah, you know I can't do that. That sounds you know overwhelming or I don't have anything to say and I go oh I've got the right person and um and 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 I'll often tell people I'll say uh my goal with this is that I want it to be a conversation like we're sitting in my kitchen having a cup of coffee yeah and and if I've been able to give that feel to it for the person I'm interviewing then uh we've done well (laughs) that's good that's good. So you find one of these people, and you reach out to them. They say yes. Maybe they're surprised. You want to have them on the podcast. And then how do you prep for that? You know, a number of people have written books, and so I'll work with their book a little bit ahead of time. Um, usually I'll have a list of questions that I prepare ahead of time. Um, but then when I begin the conversation, I totally let it go and often never get to the questions. They're more of kind of a, kind of a safety net. Um, but I think for me, it's, I want to get lost. I want to forget that there's a microphone and being curious, you know, listening. And, um, but then also this kind of, I'm doing multiple things at once. So I'm trying to keep the conversation going. I'm kind of, steering a direction. I'm trying to keep a big picture in mind, but then also trying to um, ask the questions that I think listeners might have and, you know, trying to kind of keep everybody, you know, on the, on the road together. So I'll sometimes ask questions that maybe for some listeners might feel really basic, but um, I'm wanting to make sure we're all kind of up to speed together. And it strangely feels like um, my community, so these people that listen that I you know never meet, never talk to, that somehow we're doing this all together, and yeah. um, I don't know, it means a lot to me. Love doing this work. I love it. I didn't know how much I'd enjoy it, but it's uh, it's really the highlight of my week, you know, in a sense. So in these hundred, there have been some 
I mean, so many good things have happened with it. So what, can we listen to some of our favorite pieces and chat about it a little bit? Yeah, that sounds great. What do you got? Mimi Dixon is mm-hmm. one of my favorite people in the world and I think one of Jesus' favorite people <laughs> and closest friends, too. I think he he finds a, a good friend in, in Mimi. And I love these interviews that you did with her. I've, I've interviewed Mimi a number of times, but they're all just so good. And and I love just getting her going, and then I just sit back and marvel. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's pretty great. All right, so one with episode 18, Life Together on the Narrowing Way. One of the narratives that I have had, persistent narratives I've had, is that whole idea of what it looks like to be successful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in living a life with God and in being contagious with that. So I fully thought, Nathan, I just fully thought that with the experiences that I've had of the Lord and the time that we'd spent together and how rich it was, that when I told people about Jesus, they would be absolutely smitten <laughs> that they would just say oh my gosh sign this me is up. the sweetest <laughs> most wonderful thing i've ever heard yeah sign me up and i was confused and dismayed deeply dismayed when that wasn't the normal experience you know mm. you have the wonderful beautiful times when it's different but I it, it didn't happen the way I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I know Jesus is awesome. So I thought, hmm, where's the fault in this? Must be me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I started working harder to try to communicate what I consider to be in more effective ways. Again, in fact, the resistance was growing. Mm. Worked so against you. <laughs> yeah. So then I thought, well... What's going on? If you're talking about Jesus, won't people immediately respond? And there was one day I was actually on sabbatical because I'd gotten to the point where I was so stuck. Mm -hmm. And I'm on sabbatical. And one day, very clearly, I was lamenting. I had become a lamenter. And I was lamenting. (laughs) And um, Jesus just interrupted me. He said, stop. Mm -hmm. I said, what? And he said, have you never read the New Testament? Okay. And I was like, ah. And he said, did everybody just start following me? Did they open up their arms? Did they just immediately respond to me? We're working through Acts right now. And oh, my gosh. Mm. You cannot sustain that perception that if if God is leading you to share and you're doing it as faithfully as you can, a plus B equals C. Well, people will respond and there will be a revival, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one of the things that Jesus taught me is that people get to choose. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole principle of free will. God lets people choose. I need to let people choose too. All right. So there's a few things I love. One is how it's so evident that she has this interactive friendship with Jesus. She's encountered Jesus in such a way that he is the sweetest thing in her life. And Mm -hmm. so sweet that she just wants to invite other people to partake Mm -hmm. of that sweetness. And then when they're not getting it, 
how she realizes what's going on is she's talking to the Lord about it. She has this interactive friendship with him, and he's telling her what's going on. We've we've done I don't know three or four interviews with with Mimi, and you'll actually see that theme in her stories where she is corrected, right? I mean, she kind of takes the time, which is huge, I think, to just go, "What do you think, God?" You know, and then wait. But she often is corrected in these beautiful ways. I mean, it's not a you know a hard hammer correction, but it's a hey, what about this? Have you thought about that, Mimi? And and then she kind of launches into something, and it's so delightful to hear her stories. And there's this wonderful humility to uh, all she's learning. And then she just goes on with this great fire and intensity. I love I love talking to Mimi. Yeah, you had one from Mimi too. I think it was the previous episode. Well, and one of the things we know about this is that in community, the Lord puts people in our lives that see us with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Because the illusion is, if somebody is responding and saying, oh, but I can see Jesus in this, you just think, ah, it's the great and wonderful Oz that somehow you've cranked this big image and they're responding to it and they don't know the man behind the curtain. Yes, yes. And the reality is they're fully aware of the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they see you for who you are, and they're not, they're not bumped off balance by the great and wonderful laws or whatever it is that you're afraid that you're projecting this image and they're responding to it when it's all a fabrication, it's all a lie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in community, this is the only place we can get well. Mm-hmm. Because you say to me, I can see Jesus at work in this. And on my mind, I think, yeah, right. If, if you really knew me, you would never say that. In fact, mm. you would probably not. We wouldn't be having this conversation. But the truth is, and part of the humility that happens in community is I begin to know that mm. when you look at me, you're seeing me with the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not seeing a marred image. You're seeing a person who's struggling with stuff. Mm-hmm. But the person that you see is a person that you love. Mm-hmm. It is a person that you can truly see the Lord released in their life and in their desire and in their longing and in their hope and in their mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can only know myself in community. Mm. Even as even as the Trinity can only know and be known in relationship to one another. You notice in the interviews, these themes always emerge. And what I love is that I usually I don't see them coming. I don't plan it. But these, you know, it's just like this little vein pops forward. And one of the things I've noticed when we look at all the podcast, the theme of community keeps coming up, as does suffering for some reason or another. But I love what she has to say that when you see me through the eyes of Jesus, I just, that's just good stuff. It's really good. Uh, you had picked one from your wife. Uh, episode 43. It was such a delight for me to get to interview the woman I married, Christy. Oh, this is that statement. Man, I'm a mess today, dude. <laughs> but, um, this theme, for some reason, and I've thought of this a, a number of times, almost like with concern, that suffering seems to come up in podcasts a lot. And, and I don't necessarily mean for that to happen, but 
um, there's been so many good things said about uh, human suffering and what we can, you know, how we walk through that together and uh, with God. So anyway, let's listen to a section from Christy Foster. You have the ability to save me. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. And so there becomes this uh, internal struggle between you and God that, you know, you're all powerful Mm -hmm. and you could Mm -hmm. at any moment take this from me. But Mm -hmm. why, why aren't you? Why aren't you? So it's a real deep thing. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) I sometimes think that it's, important for us um, as Christians to dive into at some point in our lives the question of why God allows suffering, why so many millions of people live in ho- horrific conditions. Very true. And, and, but, but that question is not necessarily a question of doubt, no, it's a question of a real relationship. <laughs> I mean, if you don't have a real relationship with God, I mean, maybe you won't go there. Or um, We don't have to, you won't. If we're not faced with things, we, we just assume, ignore why suffering is allowed. It's a scary question because it's a question that makes you feel like you're either going to lose your relationship with God, and I think a lot of people probably do at that point, mm-hmm. Or you get closer to God in a really strange way that is not often talked about. There's no guidebook for that, Mm -hmm, I don't feel. mm -hmm. What's on the other side of that question? (laughs) Um, Submission. I think that's probably the only thing that I can come to right now is just a submission to okay, God, I know that for whatever reason, this is the cup I have, and I will do my best with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that God is evil for putting this on me. I believe that I won't find it out until I'm on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do believe there will be answers then. Mm. And I just have to trust that. Mm I don't know what to say on that one, but I liked it. I like that we're wrestling with those kind of questions in this podcast. Yeah. So one of the ones that just meant the world to me was with Roger Fredrickson. And this was very soon before his death. Um, And, you know, he'd had a stroke, and so he had to relearn to speak. And so it's, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge to understand what he's saying but the statement he made here has been ringing in my ears you know ever since recorded this you know a couple years ago so let's uh let's listen to that as you look back through the years what are some things that you've learned i've learned for example the power i've said already the power of the lady i think i think most churches let these people the mundane things. Uh-huh. Introduce them. We'll have it introduce them to the great. So we say reality of the faith. Yes. The way that descripts them and affects the way they live and work yeah. and do the business and have their families and 
Yeah. The power of the laity to yes. live this life That's out. Very, very much a, a, a key to my own ministry. Uh huh. Was it was it ever hard for you to in, empower the the laity in the sense that um, inevitably that means we're not as leaders doing everything? That's right. And we give up some things, and Jesus himself said. The greatest among them is a servant. Mm. All become servants of each other. Yeah, the servants of each other, learning to, to give up some things to let others grow and lead themselves. And I think the preaching was is to the real ministry, which was with, with people. Uh, is real ministry being being with people? Yes. I love that becoming servants of each other. That in all of his years of ministry, laity, empowering the laity, that just is, continues to stick with me. That in institutionalized religion, that it's it's not just about the person up front. I don't know. This has stuck with me. Yeah. Since that interview, I think it was Paul in First Corinthians fourteen. Each each person brings something. One one has something to teach one has this gift and everyone has something to contribute mm-hmm. well and that was Roger too the way he treated people I mean the, I've said before Roger's the only man who's ever kissed me on the lips and and I was okay with it <laughs> you know <laughs> you come up and grab my cheeks and give me a kiss and it was just this, this great love He's such a wonderful person Chris, number eight. Well, Chris has been a guest a number of times, and it's fun to just get him going. This one, I remember he's talking about the afterlife, and I think there was something in his words, the enthusiasm, the wonder, the joy of what is to come. And this episode just hung with me ever since then. So let's listen to a little chunk of it. When I mentioned twenty, the age age twenty five. Sure, go ahead. So, so da- how old was Dallas Willard when he died? Uh, I don't. Seventy eight. I think he was seventy eight. Okay. I think it was in his late seventies. Mm-hmm. I think when I meet Dallas in the future, this is the, this is the church fathers again, the people I hang out with. Yep. I think Dallas will be chronologically look like he's about twenty five. Okay. Why, why is that? And the, re- and the reason would be is the fathers thought through the future and issues regarding heaven and vocation and so on. Um, they thought, well, what were we created to be? We were created to be God's image bearers, carrying out God's, uh, the task that God would give us in the creation that God absolutely delights in. And, and during earthly, uh, earthly life, now cracked and distorted and filled with sin, even affecting nature itself. Mm-hmm. At what age, at what age do we reach that point where we feel like, man, this is just <laughs> the right age. This is how they, the fathers would think. Well, it was, it was one or two moments, one or two minutes when we were about 25. <laughs> and then it was, and we had, and, and then, and yeah, <laughs> because it, because it, it begins to slowly, slowly, Unravel, huh? Interesting. Unravel, but whatever is un- unraveling in the age to come has been made right. Mm-hmm. 
mm. has been made right. Mm. So, for example, I think um, it's fun to talk. I, fun to talk about this stuff. I think, for example, for folks who've lost a three-year-old or a four-year-old, or mm-hmm. you know, I had to say goodbye way before the before they wanted to. Uh, yeah. I think in the future, what they'll experience is someone walking up to them and saying, hey, dad, <laughs> it's me. And that person would be about 25, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. And on into the future we go. I think that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think that's resurrection. I think that's redemption, recreation. That's the future. You can't beat it. <laughs> can't, we will not be disappointed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We will not be thinking, oh, man, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more than this. It will not be like that. Mm-hmm. It will be more like, yes, one collective yes. Mm-hmm. This is what it was meant to be. Mm. Well, and, and, then the, and then the future opens up for aeons to come, mm. not just 10,000 years, but as far as I can tell, mm. for uh, these earth image bearers that have now entered into the age to come. It will be our fondest hopes fulfilled infinitely. Mm. Fondest hopes Fulfilled infinitely. Mm. What we had always hoped and more, mm. which we catch glimpses of, yes. uh, even in the midst of this present evil age. We catch glimpses, and we know it when we're, know it when we're experiencing it. You know what's helpful? One of the phrases that's come to mind a lot to me in recent years is this, that maybe that desire is meant for another, uh, another age, another world. That some of these things, you know, desires for love, desires for justice, for community, mm-hmm. these things that um, a longing for beauty or creativity, that these things always feel half or fragmented or n- yeah. complete. And I wonder if that something is woven in us that that echoes from another world that these things will be complete. I think that's exactly right. It's like in, it's like it's in our DNA. Yeah, we're made it's in our DNA. Something we're God's image bearers. Yeah, <laughs> we're God's image bearers. Oh, that's so fun! Hey, I realized I didn't say the last name of the person who just spoke. That was Chris Hall, president of Renovare. It was no small task picking interviews to listen to, as we've had so many amazing people on. But there's a small sample of some that have meant a lot to us. Hey, you're welcome to contact us with your thoughts, questions, suggestions for changes, or people we should interview. We've set up an email, podcast at renovare.org. That's podcast at renovare.org. Huge thanks to all the folks who financially support the work of Renovare with your monthly giving. We couldn't do this without you. Take care and have a great week.